Welcome to the ABCs to live your dope life. This is an opportunity to be a fly on the wall while I engage with some of the most fascinating, inspiring, and brilliant people I know who have played a direct or indirect role in my own healing and continued growth process. The change process is not easy, comfortable, or nearly as fast as so many of us wish it would be. And my hope with this podcast is to instill some playfulness, simple tools to practice, and ultimately, a place for you to recognize that you are not alone. A dope life is one that is aligned with who you truly desire to be, and a congruency between what is deep beneath the surface and what shows above the surface. It's the real, the raw, the complexities of our light and our shadows. The only thing that is ever truly in your way is you. Join me on this journey as we continue to grow stronger together. It's time to live your dope life. Hey everyone, welcome back. I am excited to share this conversation with my lovely friend, Beth Davis. This is the first episode recorded over Zoom, which will most likely be the case for the next several episodes. I think there were a few moments where the connection was a little bit lost, but not enough that you can't understand what's happening or to follow along. So I apologize for any little hiccups throughout the recording, but I do promise that by listening through to the end of this one, you will get some really, really great insights and ideas and some new perspectives on how to perceive the world and how you can navigate what's going on from a place of embodiment and individuality, while also, of course, honoring the collective. So enjoy and reach out if you have any questions. See ya. Welcome back, everyone. I am excited to um, share with you my good friend, uh, Beth Davis, who's on the podcast with us today. Hi, Beth. Hi, Marion. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> oh, I'm thrilled to have you here. Um, you were one of the first people that I talked to when I was right about to start the podcast, and you were the first person I said I want on my podcast. So this feels good. Wow. I'm glad to be here finally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. So um, the first question I love to ask my guests uh, is what is in and or on your heart today? Um, yeah, you know, I, I wake up every morning um, and I, I have routines that I've been setting and they've been changing. Um, but this morning, what really came to me in, in my movement um, was being a yogi ninja. Um, and, and being able to move the energy. Um, and I kind of got deeper into like what that meant. And for me, um, with all of my students, I give them, I ask three things of them. And, and the first thing is that they show up. And the second is that they do their best. And the third is that they breathe. Mm -hmm. And I guess that that to me, that, that simplified um, what I was gonna do today, that I was gonna be a yogi ninja. <laughs> and that is my mantra, and I am diving and moving through energy and shifting the energy in the directions I needed to go, um, just simply with those three things, showing up, doing the best I can, um, and breathing. And I'm having to remind myself over and over again of those, those three very important, simple steps. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And very on point with our theme today, um, you and I, as yoga teachers, um, we love geeking out on all things, energy and mental health and physical health and leadership and inspiration and, you know, you name it. I've had some really wild and beautiful conversations with you. And so when I was sitting with this idea of wanting to talk about energy, um, you came to mind as this is the conversation I want to have with you that I want to record and, and share with the world. Um, and one of the reasons why is, you know, even for myself as someone who I do work with energy and I um, obviously believe in energy, whatever that means. And, you know, it's something that I think about and I read about and I um, really pay attention to. And I realized I don't, I'm not super clear on how to explain it to other people who are not, you know, already there. You know, it's so much easier when, you know, you're on the same wavelength, you can talk about energy and it's not like you're having to defend yourself or explain yourself because the other person just gets it. And this really stood out to me uh, a few weeks ago, which I, I shared with you previously about um, mentioning energy 
to my husband and he just paused and looked at me and, and said, well, what do you mean by energy? And I had, I couldn't articulate what I, what I meant, you know, just having that was like deer in the headlights moment of someone didn't understand what I was talking about. And now I have to pause and actually try to explain myself. And I, I froze up. I wasn't able to describe it to him. And there's complex reasons um, with mm -hmm. that. But the, the, the root of it was I walked away from that conversation uh, with that question of, well, what do I mean? And obviously energy can mean so many different things. And, and so I, I'm, I'm just really, I'm excited to, to see where this goes with you. Um, and before we even dive into, I, I love go, going into a little bit of history of how we know each other. Um, but is there anything you would add just kind of at the, the ground level right now, what's coming up for you when, when you think of energy or, you know, how complicated yet simple it actually is? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to dive really, really deep. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is very difficult. You're like, what? Surface? Just, just surface. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should keep moving if you just want surface. <laughs> well, that's a fair point, actually. If you want to just dive into it, um, why don't we just speak briefly about how we know each other, and then we'll just get into the juice of this conversation. You, I love hearing your, you know, when oh. we first had our little date, and I got to hear how, yeah, it's, it's always interesting hearing both sides of the story, so I'd love to hear your story. It's a major process getting to where I've gotten to with my yoga practice, and a part of that process um, was revealing myself on social media, or being confident enough to um, portray who I am and, and what I believe to be truth um, for the world to observe. Um, and as I was just kind of starting out on that process, I came across your profile and you just really stood up as this incredibly powerful, connected woman. Um, and I watched um, you for, for a while um, to kind of see how you're interacting. And, and you interacted with some, some other powerful people in ways that I completely admired, that you were able to stand within your worth, that that wasn't ever conditional. Um, and you were able to convey that um, online, on social media. And I just really adored you for, for what I could see you standing for. Um, and then I was lucky enough one day, like I was just at a yoga, at yoga Nova teaching a class and you walked in to take the class. I was like, oh my goodness, it's you. <laughs> I was so excited you came to my class. Um, and I think I ran around and gave you a big hug, like right then. Um, mm -hmm. And from that point on, um, in my heart, you've, you've been my friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. I loved hearing that story the first time you shared it with me. But, you know, when I think of our first interaction, it is when I walked into the studio for that class and you were just this beam of light that I was so excited to learn from and have an experience with. And um, I remember when I, so I was laying down in the studio waiting for the class to start. And then you, you always are wearing just your regular clothes at the front desk and then you change and come in cause it's a hot room. And mm -hmm. I just, I remember seeing you walk in and you were wearing like tiny little bikini outfit <laughs> and, <laughs> and you <laughs> walked into the room and there was nothing about you that was like, I don't know. There was, it was, you have a very unique energy. Like nothing about you was arrogant or look at me. It was just confidence, power, and love. And I, I felt that immediately. And, and then in the experience of the way you taught, um, I, yeah, I was just, who is this woman? <laughs> just in love with you. And I think it was after that first class that I asked you if you want to go on a little date with me and get to know each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we went for dinner and had wine and dinner and just um, talked for like four hours. And yeah, it went on. Yeah, it was, yeah, it, was it went on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that was probably like a year ago. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, we've done lots of fun stuff together since then. <laughs> we definitely have. <laughs> yeah. And there will be more for sure. Lots of creation. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, do you, sometimes I'll ask in these conversations as well to hear a little bit more about, you know, about you, like your, your history or how you found yoga. Um, and I know each time any of us tell our story, it, it can be a little different depending on the context and where we're at. Um, so if you're comfortable and willing to 
kind of give us a little bit of insight into where you came from and why you are who you are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I um very simply, I, I had a dream that I could be happy. That that was simply um and what continues to drive me to this day is that dream that I, I can be happy. Cause I don't think it's a place that you get to. It's it's something you're continually um um being, not doing. Now at this point it's something I'm continually being. Um but yeah, I was in a in a depressed um depressed place filled with anxiety and not happy with um, the world around me what I was creating who I was who I was portraying myself as um, I didn't feel connected to myself or truthful um, and I didn't go seeking yoga to fix that um, just a yoga studio opened and I'd always wanted to go take hot yoga so I went to the class um, and the first class I was like okay this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life <laughs> and it's harder than anything that is depressing me outside of this class. <laughs> so if I can go and conquer this really hard thing called yoga, then maybe everything else in my life will be a lot easier. Um, and it, it turned out to be true. <laughs> so, so I keep entering my mat, my practice, and even um, I keep diving deeper and deeper down this, this, this topic of yoga, um, because I'm aware that the, the more disciplined I become within the tradition, the more free I feel, the closer to myself I feel I am, um, and able to present myself in ways that actually feel good. Energetically, I feel good moving through through the world, through my world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the the style of yoga that you that you first were introduced to was Bikram yoga. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and the way that I so that was my I like to call it my gateway drug into yoga. Um, it was Bikram as well. And mm -hmm. I did it for about a year before I felt confident and ready to go explore and try other types of yoga. And, and then I like stopped completely going to Bikram because I realized, oh, there's so much more out here. Um, right. You know, that brings me to another reason why I fell in love with you in my first class with you is because you, you do teach, you don't, you don't teach Bikram style anymore. You teach what his teacher taught and, and what, that teacher's teacher taught him, right? So you're going way, way further back past where Bikram came from and going to like the root and the gem, mm -hmm. the, the true wisdom of what other people have equated to Bikram when it's, no, it wasn't his, right? So it's right. yoga, right? That you're, yeah. How, yeah, how do you relate to that now? Um, you know, like, I, I guess it was about the same, like Bikram was my, my gateway into the yoga world. And it took me um, quite a few more years to um, move beyond that. But for me, it wasn't an exploration outwards. It was an exploration deeper within. And for me, that was going below the layers of what I knew to be true on the surface of what the Bikram style offered. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I, I study what what his teacher taught, who was Bishnu Ghosh. Um, I study Paramahansa Yogananda, which is perhaps one of the greatest spiritual leaders of our time. Um, I studied, studied Buddha Bose, um, as well as uh, Shankar Mukherjee. Um, and they were all students of Bishnu Ghosh. Um, I also study um, relevant teachers these days that have studied this lineage. So Isak Garcia, um, Kim Tang, I study with them um, and, and work with them. And so I feel like I'm deeply connected to this lineage. Um, because it's constantly evolving and constantly moving forward and there's constantly more and more being added. Um, and it's, it's actually a really exciting time. Um, the Bikram style was brought over, you know, in the 1960s um, and we didn't have yoga then. Yoga just wasn't popular, but where we're at now, like there's just so much more meat in this lineage that we can bring forth um, that it doesn't, there's no need for it to stop at only 26 postures and only two breathing exercises. Um, and I think that people are ready. I've found that people are ready. There's, there's a really solid foundation that have been practicing since, you know, 1970, 80, 90, maybe starting in the 2000s. But there's a foundation of yoga now in North America that wasn't here before um, that now I, I really truly believe that we can start moving beyond that and offering more than that to, to the general population, people that are interested. Yeah, totally. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah I'm working yeah. on that. It's an exciting yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, why don't we dive into this uh, complex simplicity of energy? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the, and I can premise this with, you know, when I brought this up as a topic with you um, and you sat with it for a moment and, and what you responded with 
well, there really is only fear and love. And that though that's to you, that was energy. And, and I wrote that down. Um, it's just like so simple, so beautiful. You're either in fear or you're in love. Um, and I, yeah, I love that. And I, you know, I was thinking more about that today as well of how fear can also be felt or experienced or manifested as grief or as anger, but it still has the same flavor. It's coming from fear, right? And, and love could be experienced <clears throat> or felt as peace or even neutrality um, mm -hmm. or forgiving. Right. But it's all just, it's different flavors of love. Qualities, yeah. Yeah. Quality, yeah. yeah. Quality, yeah. Totally. So yeah. I would love to hear more about that. What, what comes up for you? How do you, how do you talk about this with people that even like with people who don't know what you're talking about? That's, that's what I'm really interested in. Cause you could say anything. I'd be like, yeah, I get it. Um, <laughs> so let's really try to break this down into simple ways of understanding. Right. Um, it's, it's philosophy, right? So there's all different kind of ways that we can come at, at topics like this. Um, and I really, first off, I want to say I don't believe in right or wrong. I believe that whatever is true, the opposite must also be true. Um, so we'll just kind of start there. Um, and my thoughts, like, my thoughts change all the time on it with the different research I'm doing, the different people that come and go from my life. Um, there's different energy that I'm moving or is moving around me changes how I'm feeling or thinking about different topics. Um, and I read just um, a couple of days ago, I was doing um, some research into like Sufi thought and what they were saying, like, and it was, it was interesting because they said the heart is not a pump. The heart stops the blood, turns it into a vortex and sends it on its way. Mm. And then what they say is that, that the Sufis say that there's a moment that the heart stops and that's the moment spirit enters the body. And so that was so beautiful to me. Um, I, the practice of yoga for me really is, is being present and witnessing um, myself. And so I do believe that if we're living presently, if we're living in the now, there really is only two choices, fear or love. But then I got to thinking about how that the Sufi kind of thoughts played into that. And it's almost like spirit enters and we have a choice to send spirit into a loving direction, into a fearful direction. And we have that moment with every single beat of our heart. Um, and so then the next layer is kind of figuring out, well, are you moving that energy into love or into fear? And I think, I think in all honesty, a lot of my students I speak with, they're not even aware of what that means. Are they coming from love or coming from fear? And that, that comes down to the practice of witness. Yes. And so that's what we see, you know, in North America manifesting as yoga these days, we see it as a stretching class or a fitness class or whatever we're seeing. And hopefully that there's moments where you're facilitated to witness how you're reacting either physically or mentally to moving through whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, you get more aware and connected to if you're coming from love or fear. And the more that you become aware, the more you, I think you're able to decide which direction you're going to send that in energy into a fearful place or into a, into a loving place. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, what, so what's coming up for me is that when it, when it's the, the choice um, it's in the moment you're making a choice of what direction you want to go. And then at the same time though, there's also being aware of, of your current state as it is, right. And then choosing the direction from that point. So noticing if you're in fear and you can continue that cycle of this negative feedback loop of fear or noticing you're in fear and then making that bold expanse of choice to shift into love so that you can then create that new cycle. Um, and when I was thinking about this as well, of like, well, what is fear really? And fear is, is when we're in our survival mode, right? When right. We, so fight, fight, this, freeze. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's unconscious. It could be because right. we, we are in danger or we're thinking about something that could feel dangerous or something that happened in the past or making something up about the future and just being in our mind, thinking about the fear, our body's reacting as if it's happening now. And then there's also certain muscles in the body that if we're not ever standing in alignment or we haven't learned how to breathe properly or release our psoas or relax our jaw, that also becomes a negative feedback loop. Because if your body is tight and reacting like it's in danger, then you can think your way into love as many times as you want and your body's just going to take you right back into fear because that's the experience it's having, right? So that's where it gets a little bit complex. Yet at the same time, it's also simple of we'll notice it 
breathe into it and then address it. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people are not spending time, um, consciously putting themselves in fearful position and witnessing themselves. Mm. Whereas these, these positions they're put in, they're coming at them. So they're constantly reacting. Right. So that's, I mean, one of the things that I do with, with say backward bending, like to drop your head backwards and try to touch the floor behind you with your fingertips. That's a scary thing to do. And, and I mean, the ultimate fear comes up, which is death. Like I might die, which yeah. I think is that underneath all of, all of the fears that, that we might die or mortality yeah. um and so it's it's learning how to put yourself in a fearful position physically and then witness or or observe notice how your body is physically responding and then actually being able to in that moment start changing how your body is physically responding mm-hmm. and that to me is the practice if we're spending enough time in that practice and as we move through life and these different fearful things are coming at us we start learning how to respond um instead of react Mm-hmm. to what's happening um, and, and be able to kind of send that energy in, in a different direction. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, practice. They, yeah. they say yoga doesn't work unless you do it. Like you just have to spend the time practicing. And I say all the time, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't at all matter what it looks like. What matters is that you're actually on your mat and you're actually taking some time to observe how you're reacting. Yeah. And then, you know, the next step, like I said, is starting to change your reactions and respond instead. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, do you, do you think that fear and love are actually always present? They have to be. Yeah, okay. Right, whatever is true, the opposite has to be true. Right, yeah, yeah. So that's something that I've been really playing with recently is the, um, how there, there has to be tension in any relationship. Right. Because if there's no tension, it's formless. It's, you know, if our body didn't have tension in it, it would just be a goopy mess. Like it needs right. to, but too much of anything is no longer a good thing, right? So. Right. The tension between these seemingly opposites, um, what, what keeps it actually together is it becomes a trinity. And the third part of that relationship is the witness. Right. right? So for right. the tension to actually be there between fear and love, there has to be someone observing it and experiencing right. it. Right? right. So that's something I've been really playing around with is looking at, you know, victim versus the victor or um you know freedom or victim or form versus formless and you know these these opposites that um when we can really hold space for both that's when we start really unraveling at that point it's no longer choosing one or the other or like you said at the beginning of saying one's right or one's more right than the other it's it's more of just acknowledging that they both exist and they can't right. exist without the other. Right. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, it just takes you right into acceptance, yeah. which I think is the next layer is that you then realize, well, then I just have to accept all of it, but then, then keep practicing because as long as I'm practicing, I'm starting to change my reactions and they're becoming responses. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's, it's ultimately accepting. Like I, I come from fear all the time. Um, mm but I'm aware of it each time, you know, and, and trying to move it in a direction that feels better. I mean, at, at the end of the road, I just don't feel good when I'm coming from a fearful place. Yeah. So if at any point I don't feel good physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it's because there's some sort of fear that I'm, I'm harboring inside of me. I'm scared of something. So mm-hmm. I'm searching for that to release myself so that I, I just feel better, you yeah. know? Yeah. 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 Just more freedom and more space. Right. Yeah. You know, when, when it comes to energy in terms of, you know, feeling other people's energy is, do you have a way of, of understanding that or describing it? You know, someone walks in the room and and it can be like an energy vampire immediately or like the whole room just elevated or it can get chaotic suddenly. You know, I have these experiences all the time where, whether it's me or it's someone else that I feel and it just like, I get shooken up. Like I feel something. Right. How do you you talk about that? Well, I think, I think we all vibrate at different frequencies. And I mean, the only thing that matters to the only thing I focus on is that gratitude is the highest frequency, Mm. you know? So as as long as I can be in a place of gratitude, then I'm, I'm vibrating high. And and my goal is always to be the highest vibration inside of a room, which Mm. means that I can, I can vibrate so high. I can, I can bring people up to my vibration. There is no pulling me down to your vibration, you know, but yeah. that's the release of fear. If you have fear inside of your body, it's hard to be in that, that high vibration of gratitude because you're, you're scared of something. You're not actually accepting that 
that we could just be 100% grateful and in a place of love. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just fear manifesting in people and in different different levels of fear take different energies from other other people yeah yeah interesting yeah you know this brings up for me the i've been going through this book called the presence process by michael brown mm -hmm. and oh man it is so good I'm, I'm listening to it on audiobook and i actually on my run today I listened to this chapter 11 three times. Like as soon as it was done, I was like, I have to do that again. And then again, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So one of the <laughs> things that was the cornerstone of this chapter was how everyone, the one thing, you know, we've, we've got lots in common, but the one thing we all have in common is that we're seeking unconditional love. And, and what he said was that when, when you are around someone, when you engage or experience someone who shows up and acts not in alignment with unconditional love it's it's because they are unconsciously seeking unconditional love and it's coming out you know you're contradicting yourself completely and it's also because a lot of people don't realize that's why they're being an asshole or you know acting out in whatever way that they are um and so now i think that's a really interesting loop of looking at you know love as this this desire for unconditional love. And when it's not met and we don't understand it, we often move to the opposite of fear and anger and we project out on other people. Yeah, I mean, that definitely has happened to me. Um, and <laughs> I went through a period where I really, I, I became very aware of my search for unconditional love. Um, and I, I eventually came to the conclusion that I don't think it's actually possible as humans to offer unconditional love is my belief. Um, what I do think is, is possible, but may take a lifetime of work is unconditional self-love. <clears throat> yes. And I a hundred percent believe that we are only allowed or able to love others the way in which we love ourselves. And when I'm speaking with um, my students, whether I'm, they're talking about a rom romantic relationship, a relationship with their boss, a relationship with their friend, like there's some level of love and some level of fear invested in that relationship. Mm. Um, and you're going to treat that person the way you treat yourself. And then what I find is people always like, well, why can't she treat me like that? Why doesn't he do this for me? I've told him a hundred times. Um, but the, the root of it is that, that, that he's not going to love you the way you need to be loved. He's going to love you the way he needs to be loved. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I really am working towards guiding my students back to unconditionally loving themselves. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I do believe that that's a lifetime of work. But the more that you understand where you're not accepting of yourself, where you're not offering yourself unconditional love, how can you possibly offer that to someone else? And if you cannot offer that to someone else, how can you ask for that from somebody else? And that just goes back to like the natural law of energy, which is, you know, giving is receiving and they are one and the same. Yeah. And if you cannot give that, you cannot receive that. Yeah. Um, and it's not about giving what the other person wants of you. It's about giving what you need. You're able to step out or step up and give yourself what you need and then offer other people what you yourself needs. And then that becomes truth for people. That becomes digestible, something that they can actually work with. Right. Yeah. So it's like we have to discover unconditional love as a self project before we can even expect ourselves to be able to offer that in a more complex right. relationship with someone else. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I wanted, I took um, a few notes while I was on my run today and I, I just feel like I want to read this <laughs> one line. Um, yeah, just because he says it so well. So all behaviors that we witness from others that are not acts of unconditional love are unconscious pleas for unconditional love. Even when hateful, it is a misguided cry for love. So that brings me actually to our to cause and effect. You know, that because this is something that I, I told you that the first time you brought this up and shared some things on cause and effect, that like my brain just was like, eh, eh, like yeah. so many cogs like what wait how and I couldn't even ask a follow-up question because I was like I just need my brain to settle before I can even dive into this yeah. conversation with you um but again it was so aligned with one of the things that I've been working on is you know looking at the various addictions we have you know addictions in the sense of really all addictions are armor to not feel something, right? So whether it's 
addiction to food, to shopping, to sex, to drugs, to exercise. They're all different forms of distraction or escape from being in the medium of felt sensation, of just allowing ourselves to feel. And instead we sedate it and we try to control it. Um, again, unconsciously, you know, most of us don't realize that's what we're doing. And, and one of the things that I was really curious about is how for years I've had this off and on relationship with cannabis and, you know, it's complex and that I, I love it. And I think it's a beautiful plant medicine. And I've also recognized that sometimes I've used it to avoid feeling. And, and so then that's, that's where I feel like, okay, well now that's that now it's an addiction. This is something that I don't want. And then other days I'm like, this is beautiful and creative and it's a choice. But what really has helped me with this is looking at rather than fixating on cannabis as the problem, but recognizing that cannabis is the effect and the cause is something much deeper that I needed to, to get access to. So instead of fixating on cannabis as what can I, what can I do to control this? How can I get this out of my environment or what kind of protocols do I need to create for discipline? And, you know, I, I was moving further and further away from what actually needed to be felt. And understood, right. So, right. so getting more into the cause of recognizing this is an unintegrated emotion that I haven't been willing to feel. Right. And, and so that's the cause is the unintegrated emotion and the effect is the addiction. And then what you brought up to me was how, you talked about breath and posture and how posture is the effect, but the cause. So what caused that posture, that position was breath. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, well, that's it. it's quite simple. <laughs> oh, well, you got so many different topics in there. Um, okay. I'm going to come back to the second half. I was just going to address the addiction part first. Um, my 100% belief on everything is that everything in balance, everything is okay in balance. Yeah. Um, and I guess that an addiction is when things are out of balance, period. Um, I also do believe that all desire leads to suffering. So if we're trying to force things that like the, the goal here is um, acceptance, um, not not forcing ourselves into a box that we believe is where we should be um, or labeling where we are and labeling where we want to get to um, as, as an energy, which it's just, just not an energy to me. It's, I, um, I guess, accepting where you're at and then um, trying to find more balance. I mean, every moment of every day, how do I, how do I make more balance out of this? Yeah. Um, and then the second part, you were talking about the cause and the effect. Yeah. I guess it took me <laughs> a tremendous amount of years in practice. And it seems so simple that, that I always thought the yoga um, was the cause, like the postures, the, the meditation, but the cause was always the breath, mm -hmm. which was so interesting to me that, I mean, it's set in stages and 95% of the world comes to yoga through asana, through posture, physical practice first. And then the next stage is breath which seems backwards, like we're born with breath. That's the first thing that we learn how to do. That's what sustains us. Why would this entire system not start with, with breath? Um, but I think people need the postures to actually start to understand the breath. And once you get deep enough into the postures, you start to understand that, you know, I can, I can do these things with my body because I can control my breathing. Right. That's really all that it's come down to. Um, and so if I can do that, then I can start, controlling what's happening um on deeper levels you know so if i can control a posture can i control my heart rate can i control my digestive system can i control my kidneys mm -hmm. you know can i can i control how much cannabis i have every day mm -hmm. you know so it's um it, the breath control i think ultimately is is um more important to focus on like practicing breathing or practicing asana um, would be more important than practicing on forcing something addictive out of your your current situation. You would be you would be better off to accept where you're at right now, and then spend some time practicing getting to know yourself, yeah. witnessing yourself, understanding yourself. You know, yeah. and naturally those misbalances they do start to sort themselves out when you spend that time witnessing yourself. Yeah. You can only watch yourself do something for so long and not do something about it. You know, I, I, I was a smoker it was for years 
while I taught yoga, which to me was like unfathomable. I couldn't let anybody know that. Yeah. Um, because it was like a contra how could Beth, who knows all this about breathing, then go and smoke? And I say, you know, like smoking was not a choice, but quitting smoking was absolutely a choice. Mm-hmm. And the choice came because it was the only thing I did in my life that I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And it was just getting connected to my value and my worth that there's no reason why I should do something I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And then there's no plan. There's no need to, you know, cut back or go and get Nicorette or come up with, it just comes down to the fact that my worth, my value is that I I don't want to do something that I don't want to do to myself and I'm not going to anymore. Well, and what stands out to me in that too, is that because you're so well practiced in breath, which is really a practice of presence, right? you know, to know your self-worth and in the moment to make that hard decision. Right to choose to not do something that you actually want to do in that moment because you see the bigger picture. That's right. a whole lot of present moment awareness. Right. Which you wouldn't have right. without the breath. Right. Cause uh, ultimately it was connected to that. Like it wasn't that I wasn't doing it even though I wanted to do it. I didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I was present with the fact I didn't want to. I think if you want to do something, then how can it be an addiction? You're, you're doing what you want to do. Why would you realize it's an addiction? But the second you're seeing it as addiction, it's negative. Like you don't want to, it's attached to you. You're doing something you don't want to. You yeah. can't stop it. Yeah. Right. So it's suddenly it was like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Why do I keep doing this? I don't need to do this. You know, why I keep doing this because I get a dopamine drip yeah. <laughs> every single time I take a cigarette, my brain triggers and says, that's good. That's yeah. good. But my spirit didn't want to, you know, perhaps my mental body did, perhaps my physical body was gripped by the drug, which a lot of people get gripped by these drugs. Um, but it's that getting that connection back to spirit mm. and then list like witnessing, listening, does your, does your spirit want that? And if it does, well then accept that that's who you are. And maybe that's where your work lies. But if your spirit doesn't want something, then, then building up the strength to hear that, to hear your spirit and to listen and to follow through, um, with what you actually want, you know? How do you relate to your spirit? Do you have conversations with it? Do you see it as a visual of any kind? How would you describe spirit? A spirit is me. I am spirit. You are spirit. You know, it's, 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 um, it's beyond the mental. It's beyond the physical. It's, it's the presence in the now it's the breath being connected to the prana being one with everything that is and was and and will be. Spirit is, I, I think it's one of those words that's beyond, it's not even a label. You know, if we go to like Sanskrit, these words were just like beautiful sounds that conveyed concepts. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like in English, we use this word spirit to convey this concept that we can't even really put, put words into. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I, it's going to be different for every single person, you know, so for me, spirit is, is me. I am. I love that. So good. Yeah. Actually, that reminds me of, um, there's a embryologist, um, Yap Vanderwall. Yeah. He's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, <laughs> yeah. And he says the body is the spirit. It's the, the unfolding dance moment by moment, right? Your, your spirit is, it's in the moment. It's in the now, like it's timeless. It's formless. It's, uh, he says yeah. something like he well, what intrigued me his one quote he was like um your parents didn't make you you came through your parents yeah. which to me was like a whoa what do you mean and his other one he says first you create a brain and then your brain creates a body so that you come from your brain like it's like really interesting the things that he that he goes into yeah that reminds me of um oh ram das there's a great quote of uh, he was raised Jewish and at a, a big seminar he was leading he was speaking about Hinduism and someone put their hand up and said how could you be talking about this weren't you raised Jewish and he said in a very loving and I guess he was um what's the word like he was just really funny he said he was <laughs> I kept things really light and playful and he said yes I, I was raised Jewish and he said but um just keep in mind I'm, I'm only Jewish on my parents side this lineage of, of our parents, like we're all more than that. Right. 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 Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So fascinating. You know, I had one other um, 
So when I was writing out like different, well, what are other ways to describe cause and effect? Um, and I, so the other, I had two other things that came up. So one was um, the question and the answer, right? How, and this could be just a, a really simple way of understanding it, but the question is the cause where the answer is the effect. Do you agree with that? Sometimes it becomes like this funny chicken and egg thing. Yeah, I can say I can agree with that because I'm going in circles. <laughs> yeah, okay. So here's another one. Yeah. Cause, some scars, like the wound, the, the archetypal imbalances and patterns that manifest as these subconscious characters or, you know, our limiting beliefs, which is all packaged under the Sanskrit word samskara. So these wounds, those are the causes. And then the effect is the emotional charge, like the triggered moment where we often then like get angry at someone like, how dare you say that or look at me like that? You know, we can often divert off as if we think that's the cause, but the cause is actually the limiting belief or the wound within. Or the reverse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can switch. <laughs> so for me, like cause and effect comes down to karma. Okay. Yeah. Which just to me is action. And so as long as you're performing action, you are in cause and effect and it has to be going back and forth in both ways depending on how you're perceiving it or who's perceiving it mm. okay so that's the the next piece of it is rather than just getting stuck in cause and effect we have to look at this this cyclical pattern and how it can go either direction based right, on because yeah we were saying like um breath was the cause of the awesome which is the effect my reality up until i had that realization is that the the cause was the posture and the effect was the breath Mm. that was my reality and that was true for me right As well yeah that makes sense like i'm going for a run my breath picks up right Or right? i okay yeah so i could see how okay i started moving my body this way and my breath is now affecting right. now showing right. up in this way okay right yeah right and i mean it's like i said your perspective in that particular moment whose perspective is going to shift which the cause and which the effect is and that has to be true in that reality and multiple truths can be true at exactly the same time. Yeah, totally. Right. Mm. I mean, breath, pranayama, it has to be the ultimate cause. It's with how we start. It's we, if we don't have breath, we are not alive. We are not here. Yeah. Right. So it has to be the ultimate root of everything. The control of the prana, the prana being everything outside of us. Yama being the control of all of that. And we manifest that through our breath. Yeah. I guess ultimately would come down to always being breath, the cause of everything. I like that. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's all back to the breath. The breath is always the cause. Right. Yeah. That's, I think that's a good place to, to land. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> After all that. <laughs> and here we are back to yeah. just breathe. Awesome. Just breathe. Yeah. Just breathe. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, with, the interesting time that we're in right now and how, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into overstating opinions or acting like we know truth or that we're scientists. Um, <laughs> and I know that both of us have, you know, insight and clarity and, and are really patient and fascinated with what's going on in the world right now. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to hear, you know, what, where are you at? right now in terms of the insights or how you're viewing what's going on in the world or, you know, how you're even managing and navigating this interesting time we're in. I really feel blessed in the sense that at the moment, I believe the best way for me to help is to stay home. I'm getting that message. Mm -hmm. um, and in staying home, I just have a tremendous amount of time to play the witness role. Um, and I'm spending, I have spent a tremendous amount of time witnessing um, my fear, how it's coming up, and then actively um, working on different rituals to actually release that fear from my body. So again, just putting my physical self in fearful positions and training myself to, to calm those reactions. Um, and for me, that literally rids fear out of my body. Um, I'm working on getting to a place of really high vibration um, and gratitude, um, being in a place of gratitude for everything that's going on around us. Um, I do believe that, that nothing is good or bad and that when we step back far enough, we could see that, but we're not actually stepping back far enough. So um, as much darkness 
as there is right now, there has to be that much light. There just is no choice. Um, and then that's where we have that choice as to what we want to see. What are we going to perceive that fear, that love, because both have to be present right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm winning. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I, yeah, I'm connecting with beautiful people like you that are, are seeing the light and being the light um, and, and lighting me up and, um, and charging, charging my light for others. Um, so I'm just um, watching, watching, witnessing, um, and honoring the space um, that is being granted to so many of us right now as really a privilege. Um, looking at, at the space, time, yeah. Great perspective to have, yeah. Well, I, I only have a couple more questions for you, um, but before I even get into that, is there, is there anything else on the topics we've talked about or anything else coming up for you that, that you'd wanna add or, or share? No. Okay, awesome. Well, you, um, you and I have talked actually quite a bit about this next question that I'm going to ask you. Um, but at, at the end of every episode so far, I've, I've been asking my guests, you know, their, your current relationship with cannabis, um, how you feel about it, if it's a part of your life. Um, and I'll add the second part to this is if you would be willing and open to having a second conversation with me um, that we record where we ingest a little bit of cannabis and then see where the conversation goes. And I, I, I still am not a hundred percent even committed to that as it's going to happen. Um, Why? I keep, yeah. <laughs> I just keep bringing Why? it up. And, reservations? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a great question. I think it's just like the, um, the logistics, but what, what's become so clear to me in the last couple weeks is how easy using zoom or facetime um and i i used to have a little bit of um trepidation around it of like i didn't want to use it that much and now it's like all i'm using and i love it um so that logistical piece you know even as i spoke it as that's an obstacle is actually no longer an obstacle that doesn't feel true anymore um so really it's just around the uncertainty of of what would happen, um, which is fine. I can sit with that fear. It's not going to get in the way, um, but I'll stop talking because I want to hear what you have to say about how you feel about cannabis or how it shows up in your life. Um, everything in balance. Like I, I really am down to try everything um, and, and to work, do my, show up and do my best um, to feel good about um, balancing any substance in my life whether it's food, it's cannabis, um, if it's wine, if it's exercise, um, any element within my life, um, I'm working towards balancing in a way that feels good to me. Um, so I have no reservations at all. I haven't done that before, so I can't be misbalanced and, <laughs> you know, doing that too often for sure. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Okay, cool. Well, um, yeah, we'll definitely do that. We're going to make another conversation happen soon. Let me pray with that. Um, so my only last question then is, um, where can people find you? What, you know, what do you already have available? What will be available soon? Um, you know, how can people work with you? What are you doing? Yeah, there's, I mean, a couple platforms to find me on right now. If you go on Instagram, it's Beth Davis Yoga. Um, on Facebook, you're going to look up Posture Club. And my website is postureclub.ca. Um, I, as I said, I am being quiet and honoring the space right now um, and spending time in creation um, because I have a deep desire to connect with others. Um, and I am very restricted in that right now. Um, so the discipline now is learning the computer for me, which will lead to my freedom <laughs> of being able to connect with anybody I want, whatever I want. Um, so it's, like I said, it's taking some concentration. Um, I don't have a lot of offerings moment because I'm in creation phase. Um, I am still teaching for Yoga Nova every single Sunday at 11. So that's online and you can definitely follow them to get links for that. Um, yeah, those are the best places to find me. And hopefully in the next month I'll have a really amazing online, online platform for people to find, you know, backbending stuff and 
you know, breathing techniques, live. I'm doing live and online with a lot of yoga champions. So bring them in from all over the world so that you can kind of see how the champions practice. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some exciting things planned. Um, yeah. yeah, just taking Great. my time with it. Great. Yeah. And I'll put all your information in the show notes with this episode to make it easy for people to find you as well. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited for you. And, you know, I just remember when we met, I, you know, we had been talking about how, how we can both expand our offerings um, online. And, and that was something for you that you were interested in, but also like, but no, at the same time, like there was a clear block that that was not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and another beautiful gift of where what's happening right now in the world is it's just guided you to online. And right. I was in your class last Sunday where you had Giselle as the champion doing the poses and then you were just speaking and watching people's bodies on the screen. And it was incredible, you know, and I know we chatted after where you acknowledged like, Oh, I can do this. Like that actually works. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait, this works. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was the the, um, the responses from people, everybody messaging, saying that they could feel, they could feel me through, that they, they knew the energy was coming there. And that, to me, was like, okay, it's possible then. If you could feel it, then we can do it. I'm, I'm down to, to move further in this direction. Yeah, which I'm so yeah. thrilled for. Yeah. Yeah. Me really excited. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, any, anything else coming up for you? Anything left unsaid before we log off here? No, thank you so much for a beautiful conversation. Mm, thank you. Love you. I love you. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on social media at Dopamine, that's D-O-P-E-A-M-E, or on my website under that same title, dopamine.com. Please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it, and do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments. I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. So until next time, Love big and play big. Peace.